As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Welcome, everyone, uh, to this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. And whether you're viewing this video through our YouTube channel or Facebook pages or you're listening to it in your podcast episode, we want to welcome you right where you are. And thank you for joining. I'm with Don Frerichs. Don is a leadership coach. He's a mentor to me. He's an encourager to me. He also is one of our faculty members here at the Talent Magnet and has his own executive coaching practice, working with leaders from all over the world. Don, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Hello to everyone. Don, one of the things we want to dive into, you and I have talked a lot about a leader using influence now, right? In the middle of crisis is where values, is where core values, is where our attitude and our heart and our beliefs show up become so prevalent to those that are around us. Could you speak to our listeners about some of the experiences that you have and would breathe into that conversation? Especially around core values, Mike, is that? Yeah, core values and how during crisis our real behavior show up and what we need to be on the lookout for and uh, how we need to really lead well during the time of crisis. Yeah, let me try to give you a brief idea. And what I want to say to the listeners is that it occurs to me that during these very difficult times, uh, we see that com the complexity of leadership is even larger than what we had thought beforehand. We knew that leadership by itself is a topic that's enormous, that it's really difficult to get your arms around it because there's so many different layers to leadership. There's the personal leadership, there's the team leadership, there's the organizational leadership. And I think what we've seen as we've noticed some leaders that have really stepped up in a courageous way as you had talked about on your podcast this morning, those are the individuals that have mastered themselves to a certain degree. And, and I hate to use that word mastered because it sounds so big and ominous, but think about it from this perspective, that if an individual cannot be in touch with their own emotions to know what they're going through, it's really difficult for them to be in touch with other people's emotions. And at this time of crisis, emotional leadership is very closely tied to the topic you've been talking about, which is courageous leadership. So it does start, as you're alluding to, this really strong sense of who you are, uh, not only who you are, but what you value the most. And that has to come through your character. I was reflecting recently this week, you probably have read the Emotional Intelligence book 2.0 by mm -hmm. Bradbury a quick, easy-to-read emotional intelligence book. But in that book, there's a page that scared me the first time I looked at it, which talks about the different levels of emotions. And being a, an oldest child of a perfectionist father, German Catholic family, I wasn't ever any good at understanding emotions or describing them or talking about them. I thought there were two emotions, anger and sadness. <laughs> and that was it. And Maybe joy. Maybe we would throw that third one in there. I don't know. On this particular page in the book, it talks about the five major emotions and that there's three levels, high, medium, and low, to each one of those five emotions. And I was asking myself this week, 
am I really in touch with how I'm feeling about, I mean, I ask everyone else, how are you doing? But am I in touch with my own emotions and my own emotional experience and mm. what I'm doing to help myself through that and what I'm not doing and how am I renewing my energy so that I can manage the emotional process? Mm. I think great leaders really understand themselves to the degree that when an emotion occurs that might be sidetracking them from being able to lead others, they get their arms around it quickly because they have some form of personal mastery. And with that mastery, they're able to all of a sudden remove themselves out of the way. Those are the people that can connect with others. And uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday, one of my coachees, and he said, Don, I was looking into their eyes. And we were talking about whether or not he was able to emotionally understand his people. And he said, I could see the terror that was there for some of them. And I thought, okay, there's a man who understands that emotions are live, they're different. They may be completely different from what he's experiencing. But if we're not present to what other people are going through during this crisis, it's really, really difficult for us to lead them in an effective way. You know what I'm talking about, because I know you do that. I know you've been paying attention to other people's emotions. Have you seen the terror in people's eyes? I have seen the heartbreak in people's eyes and in their voice inflections from organizations that we've been talking to that are making decisions that they know they wish they weren't having to make right now in the midst of this crisis. I've also heard the heartbreak and the ask of how could we do things differently? What are the other options? What are you hearing, Mike, from the other clients you're working with? Is there a way to have us brainstorm on best practices and thoughts and ideals? And we've been trying to share those as rapidly as we learn them. But I think it's definitely a time for us to all of us listening, all of us participating to lead boldly and to also be empathetic, to care about what those emotions are that people are going through. Empathy is not saying, well, that's not real. They're reading into that. Empathy is saying that's how that person feels, and I yeah. need to listen. And what can we do to respond to let people know that even right now, if they are getting ready to be unemployed or afraid of the state of the business or getting furloughed, those are still your employees. None of us wanted them to be there in this state and act like it. Treat them like you're going to want them back when this thing turns back on. It's a good point. Let me give you like a bad, good, and exceptional leadership kind of concept around the communication that we know is so vitally necessary to individuals and organizations. On a bad level, we know that the CEO who's not saying anything or getting very limited information right now to their teams and their workforce, that just isn't cutting it right now. And fortunately, we're seeing lots of organizations communicate. But at the average level is one-way communication where a CEO is only telling people what they know at the time. They're not addressing the unknown, but they're only addressing the known. And there's so much more, it's like an iceberg, all this unknown information and what's going to happen next and how's it going to impact me and the jobs that we do and will we be in business three months from now? And there's so much that's unknown underneath the water. And so it's really not good enough just to tell people what is known and to talk one way at them. The exceptional leader, the leader that really is going to connect with people and have great influence, back to your question, comes from an individual that understands there's a lot more that needs to be discussed than just what I can tell them today. 
and is willing to go over that bridge and say, hey, you know, there are some things that we don't really know how it's going to impact us, but here's my thinking around it. I can't guarantee any of it, but let me just share with you that might give you a little bit more hope that we're going to come through this in a positive way. That leader is also probably someone who's willing to share their emotions with them. Did you see the video that the CEO of Marriott did? I've been told that it's just fantastic. His first name is Arnie, and he uh, wrote this long letter to his employees, but he also put out a video. And he's just so incredibly in touch with his emotions. He's able to be vulnerable and share it with people. So, you know, it lets people know that you're real, that it's impacting you. And because of that vulnerability, he earned so much trust and respect from his employees when he's delivering such a difficult message where so many of his employees aren't working today. That I think, you know, that's how you rallied the troops. But, you know, it touched him and you could see it on the video how deeply it touched him as a result. Don, I know you've shared creating hope in the face of fear. Mm -hmm. And that certainly is a way to do that in terms of communicating and letting people know and see your experience and your pain and your hurt is okay. I know many people don't think that's okay or have been trained or raised to believe that that is not okay to show your face in the state of fear. But, you know, I think we also need to communicate confidence, even if that confidence is we're working on it, we're trying to learn this with you and we've got the right team and the right resources helping us during this difficult time. Yeah, that's really well said, Mike. I was thinking about you this morning and you are one of the most optimistic, positive people that I know. And I don't know if you know that, and I'm not saying that to stroke you at all, but you have a gift. And for those of us that have that positivity gift, we are being asked to share that with everyone we come in contact with. Because at this time, to your point, we're all searching for some form of hope. We want to know that it's going to be okay when we get through it. We can hear that the last three viruses that we've gone through or economic downturns, we always bounce back. And we can all shake our heads saying, yes, I understand that. But emotionally, that doesn't solve my problem. My problem is like right now, I feel terrible and I am scared to death. And so you're right. Those of us that have this gift of positivity, we really have to be out there and be willing to be vulnerable and be real with people. But they're looking desperately for that this thing is going to end eventually and we're all going to get back to business and things are going to be normal. But we don't need to blow smoke up there skirt. It's an element where we have to talk factually as much as we can, but with the optimism that is natural to those of us that are carrying that so-called gene. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I can say, I mean, I'll share, I'm being tested, but I appreciate relationships like yourself, other team members with Talent Magnet, my team at Centennial, my wife, my kids, my parents, colleagues and friends that are reaching out. I mean, I think there's an opportunity here for us to not social distance, but for us to physically distance and for us to really lean in to our social connections and relationships right now, because, you know, Lord knows we need them, right? So using technology just two weekends ago, my, so we were supposed to have some cocktails with friends and instead of going out to a great restaurant, we booted up Zoom. <laughs> And sent out an invite and uh, one of my executive roundtables this weekend, we're actually bringing two groups together to do the same thing on a Saturday evening late when the kids are asleep and get your cameras ready. We're just going to hang out, laugh, have fun, 
talk about the week, share about what we're excited about, introduce our spouses to one another, different things. Take advantage of this time to build connection and relationship. I think the other dynamic you mentioned on communication, those that are proactive right now are the ones that will be remembered. Mm -hmm. Right. And those that don't hold back their emotion are the ones that will be remembered. And how do you want to be remembered three months from now, three years from now, a decade from now, by the way you influence during this time of crisis through your leadership lens? And, you know, I would say that the leaders that are on the front line, the medical, the first responders, healthcare workers, production line, Mm -hmm. Team members, those are leaders. Those are individuals that are stepping up in the face of this crisis and chaos and helping lead the way. And I hope that this also builds a layer of empathy and relationship and trust with those people on our teams to know how valuable they are. You can have an executive office and not Mm -hmm. have anyone on the shop floor and not have a business, right? So how we treat people at all levels, how we use this opportunity to create equity across our organizations, down and up our organizations, across our community, down and up our community, is really an opportunity that we all have to ensure that this particular pandemic that we're dealing with has no distinction of rhyme or reason of socioeconomic status or employed or unemployed. And that's an opportunity for us to look at that and say, we're all vulnerable and we are all in this together. I heard on another podcast that leadership is so needed today. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do is I believe I'm changing the world one leader at a time, just trying to bring one more extraordinary person into the world as a leader. And and I agree with that statement that leadership has never been more necessary than today. But then the next comment really threw me for a loop because they said, but leadership's never been easier. And I thought, wow, easier. And the point that they were trying to make was that people are looking desperately for people to stand up to be leaders and to say, this is the way out of this. And this is what we need to do and to give hope and to help people see the future in a positive light. I understand what the podcaster was saying, but I actually think the opposite. I think leadership is more challenging today than it's ever been because you can't just base it on some good content and a well-written speech. It's got to be from the heart. It's got to be genuine and authentic. And if you're not really in touch with who you are as a leader, what your character is, what your values are, back to your question about core values, it's hard to all of a sudden in the middle of a crisis show up that way. And so I think what we're seeing are the people that are great leaders, they have this great foundation. And because of that foundation, they're able to communicate in that authentic and genuine manner that we're talking about. Mm. That's outstanding. Don, as we get back, I know that some organizations, as we're experiencing here at Talent Magnet, and then we're also experiencing at Centennial and you're experiencing in your practice, some organizations recognize that we cannot shut off employee development and employee, you know, now's an opportunity if you have capacity to help train and equip your people with the downtime that if you want to look at it from a positive lens, we're never gifted this time, right? So take the negative experience, turn it into a positive and invest in your people. However, there's many that are going to cut off their employee development during this time Mm -hmm. and may already have or are looking at this. 
What do you feel? How do you comment to that leader who's wrestling with, Don, should we really be coaching our people during this time or should we shut that valve off? I'm going to ask you to help me struggle through the answer here because there's no crystal ball that any of us could claim fits all situations, all businesses, and all cases. Obviously, theoretically, we'd like to say all leadership training and development should continue, and, and that would make both you and I very happy <laughs> that people would choose to do that. But the realistic part of it is that there's businesses that are going to have significant cash flow issues and are going to come back saying, we've got to cut every non-essential expense possible just to survive. And even that's uh, going to be very difficult for us to get to. So with that being the reality, and I think that what is being called for is for us to get creative about how we can continue employee development. You know, what does that look like at every level of the organization? There is a tremendous way to develop people that doesn't really cost a lot. And that's just the internal coaching that's available to all companies. And all that requires is a little bit of time. So in organizations that have to cut off all of their funding towards any type of leadership training or development or employee development, they could at least still invest in helping their employees through an internal coaching process where they could set goals and help employees understand how they could get better through the things that are working and the things that are not working. I think it's important that organizations be straightforward with their employees about where they're at today with their development initiatives and training initiatives and what they're going to do short term and then also have a long term plan. You know, we're going to get back to the investment that we made if they have to, to cut those. A lot of times the cuts are just made. They're not even announced. You know, people just know that we're not doing that anymore. No one knows that they're ever going to come back again. It's confusing. And people say, well, we must not have really valued employee training and development because, you know, we didn't tell anybody we weren't, we're not doing it. And we're not telling anybody we're going to get back to it. So it like goes away mysteriously. And, you know, you don't know if it's coming back and you really second guess. And today's employees are going to really come back, I think, looking for indicators like, is this a place where I need to stay? I know both you and I believe that from a retention standpoint, it's important that the organization be completely honest with their employees and their teams to say, here's where we're at, here's what we're going to do, we're going to do something, and here's where we will be at down the road. We want you to know that you've got a good place to invest your future in, and maybe we can't do as much as we used to before the downturn, but we're going to get back to that if that's the case. Mm. Yeah. Companies really have to make these tough decisions, and we've um, some already have, yeah. and some will. But I think back to your point of communications. Communications are so. I have shared, and many people share with me that Mike never till this the last couple of weeks that I realize how important video is, right? To see people. Mm. Well, let's carry that through of how we can communicate to our team, right? So we can write a memo. Or you could record an, a minute or 36 second video that mm -hmm. says, want to let you know how important your development and care is. And we want to do everything we can to help you be at your best and for you and allow you to have a confidant and a coach and a resource. But because of the business circumstances, here are the decisions we have to make. And I love your comment of internal. How can we then and here are the decisions we have to make and here are the additional resources that we've set up with you that can be some internal. You know, the other thing that I know, Don, you and I speak a lot about is the power of cohorts, right? We're not going to be able to do individual, but we've taken a 
relationship with our coaches, with our advisors, with our outside facilitators, and we're going to build some cohort strategies that we can utilize the time, you know, where they might only be using two hours of your time or my time or our team members' time or whoever those coaches are, but we're going to slow the valve down, but we still want to keep that opportunity and uh, conversations going is another way to approach it. So I think to your point, just being proactive, communicating real time, letting people know, again, people are going to remember how you made them feel. I'm going to be saying this this entire time through this process to let people know, think about your communications through the other person's lens, not through the cut and dry, the immediate response that needs to get out. Think about what we're saying. If I were the one receiving it and I were in their shoes, how would it make me feel? And even test it, right? Share it with a couple of people and ask, how does this make you feel? What questions would you have? If you're the rest of the audience, what do you think they're going to be asking? And let's make sure we're thoughtful around how we roll these communications out. Yeah, you know, another thing I'd like to add, Mike, when I'm doing rapid leadership development, I like to help people put together a really good development plan that encompasses some very powerful and leverageable leadership actions that they can take while they're doing their work. Mm. And, and I think that's key is that sometimes we feel like training and development is separate or on top of everything else that we do on a day-by-day basis. So for instance, like if I was working directly with you and we were working on this topic of communicating powerfully and prolifically, I would say to you, hey, Mike, next week, how are you going to practice some things that you would like to practice to be a better communicator? What meetings do you have coming up? How can you use a couple of ideas that we've been talking about while you do your work? And the reason that's so powerful is that it's integrated into your work, right? It's not on top of, it's not additional to. And so I always like to encourage people to think of leadership development as something you do while you lead your people and your teams. And if you think of it that way, the time investment is not that great. It's just a matter of choosing the right things to work on. Now, at the end of the week, I would expect you to slow down and reflect and probably journal about what you learned during the week of your leadership practice. But it doesn't really require even that much time on the back end, you know, maybe a half hour of thinking deeply and reflecting and then journaling gives you so much insight to what you did and what worked and what didn't work. It's amazing. So Great leaders are great learners. I just made a post this morning on LinkedIn saying that, and I truly believe it to my very core. Every great leader I've known has been super curious, and they are always looking at what they can do better and differently because they're thinking about how effective they have been most recently. So for those who attended our webinars the last couple of days, and for those who follow us on our podcast, you hear quite a bit about me journaling. (laughs) And I just grabbed my journal and you saw me reach over there. For those who do not know, right now you are hearing from and learning from the gentleman who encouraged me probably some 19, 20 years ago to journal. And it took me about a decade to actually pick up that habit. And then when I was promoted to run our family business, is when I really started vesting in journaling and getting my, it doesn't just help me to share where I am or what I experience, but how thankful I am and what the many blessings there are and how, for me personally, how I see with my own 
personality and my drive and my ambition, how to also get my intentions right on the professional side. I feel like in so many ways, you know, we need to be investing in ourselves personally Hmm. as well. Right. So now's a great time to, you know, my wife and I got involved on a few years ago in marriage retreats and, you know, I kind of felt challenged at my core to say, I put so much time into my professional development that what am I doing for my personal life, for my second most important relationship in my life next to, again, for me, my Lord and Savior is my wife. And, you know, so right now you can also be investing in that. We're in quarantine and many of us are trying to create distance, but we're there with our families, right? So, and we're there with our friends and now it's just a great way to invest in yourself, regardless of what your personal circumstances look like. You can be investing in yourself and hopefully no matter who's around you, that they'll benefit from that. So I would encourage you to look at that. You know, we were talking to an organization just earlier this week on Tuesday, and they were sharing that they not only have a late rolled out resources for employee development from a professional standpoint, but they're rolling out courses and things people can take on self-interest, right? Mm-hmm. So those are things, you know, you can learn how to play the piano and how to play certain games or how to do web design or how to do programming or how to be great at helping kids with homework and how much learning and agility that takes, right? Just things that are actual life skills that, you know, you might be able to enjoy and take up during this time. So Don, I appreciate your insights so much. Always appreciate your insights Mm -hmm. and our relationship. Are there any, maybe one more takeaway that you can encourage our listeners to really think on and reflect on as they uh, depart from this conversation? Sure. I would just say to everyone that during this time where we're looking for more leadership, sometimes where we need to look is at ourselves. And probably what happens more often than not, many of us don't feel like it's our responsibility, like it's not my job to be the leader at this time because there's someone that has a bigger title or someone that has formally more responsibility. But I also think that's probably a lie. And most of us will allow situations and other people to take the leadership because we haven't been given the baton of leadership through a title or a promotion or a team of people saying do this. But I'm always blown away when leadership is not given out by titles or promotions, but when organizations have groups of leaders. And I know, for instance, you're Christine Lewis is just a fantastic leader in so many ways to Centennial and Talent Magnet Institute. I always am blown away at how much she leads in her own beautiful way for your organization. She's a great example, somebody that doesn't have a huge title, but gets a lot done as a leader and is respected as a result of that. And so I think the Christines of the world are great examples to everyone that leadership is not a title. It's an opportunity and that we can all seize that opportunity if we're just looking for a way that we can make a difference with our own authentic skills and and just by paying attention, take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, that's a great example. Thank you, Chris, for your leadership and for all of those team members who step up and who lead so openly and authentically and those are the difference makers inside organizations. Mm-hmm. Those who 
you know, I was recently asked by another, actually two team members of mine, Mike, what can we be doing for you? You know, I have been trying to focus so much on my people, so much on my family. And the other piece is how do we let go of control, right? We've got to let some control go during this time and trust our people. For those who never have thought about that, many of us have done that by our employees are working from home, right? And Centennial, our team's very remote. We have two team members in New York Mm. that we're praying for every day. We have team members spread throughout the area. But for some, they've had to really stretch their comfort zones of allowing that control to, that's probably the easiest tangible way to communicate about it. But Don, I thank you for your insights. I thank you for your encouragement and the perspectives that you bring to this dialogue and the empathy of where businesses are. To those listening, we thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you will continue to follow our conversations. Let us know what you would like to hear from us. If you go to speakpipe.com backslash talent magnet, you can even leave us a little voicemail and let us know. It goes up to five minutes so you can kind of share your insights and thoughts or questions that you would love for us to be covering. We hope that you take this opportunity to lead well, to be courageous during this time, and remember that people are watching more than ever how you respond and how you treat others. Thank you for joining us in this episode, and we look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity.